And this morning's study has two parts, and so you're going to need the study guide out for now, and then a little bit later on as well as we move into some other things. Today we're going to begin a study that uh, will take us through Christmas Day, and it's going to be called Christmas Perspectives. As we make our way through Christmas Perspectives, the goal of the study is to reveal the thoughts and the heart of those who were involved in that first Christmas. We're going to be looking at Christmas through the eyes of Mary, through the eyes of Joseph, through the eyes of King Herod, through the eyes of the shepherds, and then through the eyes of Jesus. And we want you to be here for every part of that. One of the things you're going to see as we make our way through this study is that those who are involved in the Christmas story, that first Christmas story, most of them had a great sacrifice that was played into their involvement. Most of them were involved with sacrifice. And with that in mind, one of the things we want to do throughout this Christmas time is us ourselves involve ourselves in sacrifice. Now, what do I mean by that? We're calling this Christmas season, the month of December, the month of a Christmas sacrifice, in which we're going to ask you to do some things throughout the month to sacrifice on behalf of others and on behalf of the church and on behalf of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Well, you'll see on your sheet the four different areas of sacrifice. The first week will begin next Sunday, and we're asking you to sacrifice a meal for that day. Now, what does that mean? What we want you to do is sacrifice a meal and take the money that you would have spent on that meal and give it to a complete stranger. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? The way I see this playing out can be in several different ways. What we want you to do is, first of all, pray, God, would you guide my heart to the right person? The person that needs encouraging, the person that may need this money, the person that may just need someone to step along beside them and be a friend. Father, will you direct me to the right, right person? And I can see us then going to a restaurant somewhere next Sunday Sitting down, and instead of ordering a meal, ordering a salad and a drink, for some of you that is a meal, but for me that's nowhere near a meal. And ordering a salad and a drink and looking around as we're praying, either as individuals or as a family, God direct us to the people, and then call the server over and say, hey, we want to take care of that table over there. Or maybe for you it would be that after, it's, after you've finished, you've got your money together that you would have spent on the meal, then you're going to write a little note on an envelope. And you're going to say, this is my Christmas sacrifice for you. And you're going to put the money in the envelope. I wouldn't seal it just because of how crazy things are today. Somebody hands you a sealed envelope that you don't know. You may be very skeptical. But allow them to know that it's open and there's something in there for them. You can even say as you hand it to them, hey, you're my Christmas sacrifice this year. <laughs> you might ought to say it a different way. <laughs> This is my Christmas sacrifice this year, and God's led me to give it to you, okay? Maybe you would also want to, and Melinda and I got to do this a few years ago, put it in an envelope right on the out, outside of the envelope of Christmas sacrifice for you, and uh, put that money in the envelope, take it to the mall, and set it down on a seat somewhere, and then step back and watch what happens. We, we had an opportunity. It was somebody else's idea and uh, they had made this little card that folded out. It was a track that as you folded it out and read the story, it folded out into a cross. And in the very center of that track, 
You had to fold, unfold it like 17 times to get to the center. But the very center, he put a $100 bill in that track. And we went to the mall, and we, we set them down here and there. He gave us 10 of them. We set them down, and we placed one on a bench, and we just stood, stepped back, and we watched. Just nonchalantly, we'd look, and we'd see people come by, and they'd sit down, they'd open it up, and they'd read a little bit, and oh, put it, they'd fold it back up and put it down. Next person come and open it up, and oh, put it back down. And finally, this one little girl came, and she read the whole thing to her sister, opened it up little by little, and got to the middle, and she went, oh! She ran into the store where her mother was shopping and, Mama, Mama, Mama. And her mother must have been petrified over it. What have, what have you found? What have you done? And so they left right then. I guess she was afraid somebody was going to ask for it back or something. I don't know. But, but it's really fun, really exciting time. So you can do that. Or if that's just totally out of your comfort zone, then why not take the money and give it to one of our missionaries you find in our church family? Either Any of that will be just fine. But we want you to sacrifice a meal next Sunday. The following week, then the second Sunday in December, which I believe is the 11th, we'll have sacrifice and offering day. Typically, we have our Christmas offerings spread out through several weeks, through the month of December, even into January. But this year, we're going to bring it all into one day, sacrifice and offering day. We want you to bring in your regular offering, your tithes, but then also bring your sacrificial offering in, your Christmas offering in that day. And we'll have a special time of offering as we donate and dedicate that to the Lord. So that's the second Sunday sacrifice and offering. The third week is sacrifice a gift. Sacrifice a gift. Now this is where we're asking you to, instead of buying yourself something for Christmas, we know as we get older we just buy our own gifts and we say, here honey, this is what you got me, wrap it up. And Instead of buying yourself a gift or instead of asking someone else to get you something, ask them to give you money. And whatever it is, big or small, it really doesn't matter. This is just the heart thing that's going on. That you then Take and you either buy a gift card or a special gift for somebody that the Lord directs you to in our church that has been an encouragement to you or has been a, an accountability partner or someone that's, that's motivated you or, or whatever the case may be. Pray over these first three. Pray over the, the, the meal. Pray over the, the offering and pray over the gift so that God directs you in every way exactly what he wants this to be. And who he wants it to go to. And then finally, after you've sacrificed a meal, sacrificed an offering, sacrificed a gift, the fourth week, which by the way is Christmas Day, we're asking us as a church family to sacrifice time. Because on that Sunday, we're going to have a very special service. There'll be no Sunday school, there'll be no evening service. But we're going to have a 45-minute traditional Christmas service that I think is going to be so incredibly special. You're not going to want to miss it anyway. But it'll start at 1045. Our goal is to be done by 1130. So you'll have time to get to your families, get to the homes. But you come and be part of our Christmas service. And you dedicate and sacrifice that time to the Lord. So this year we're asking us as a church and as a family to sacrifice. To take part in the Christmas story. Sacrifice a meal, sacrifice an offering, sacrifice a gift, and sacrifice time. Will you take part in this with us? I want us to go to the Lord in prayer, and I want us to dedicate ourselves to that. And then I want to 
just to ask God to direct our hearts to whom He wants us to benefit through the process. And so let's dedicate ourselves now to Him and begin the process of searching out His will for our Christmas sacrifice. Than I could have ever imagined. I can hardly believe that you're here. It seems like this journey has taken forever and only just begun all at the same time. I was so afraid when the angel first told me about you. Finding out I was pregnant was shocking. To me, to your dad, to my parents, and to anyone who even remotely knew of your beginnings. People who didn't understand thought I was involved in some sort of scandal. And there were moments I feared for my future, for your future. But all of that is behind us now. You are a special child in ways I can't even begin to understand yet. But maybe you already know that too. There are many things I'm uncertain of. I'm young. I know little of caring for a child, for you. And there are moments that I can be overwhelmed. The promised Messiah that all of Israel has prayed for is here, today. And I'm his mother. That knowledge is sometimes too great for me to bear.
Jesus, I wonder every day why God chose me to be your mother. I wonder, but never regret. His ways are above my ways, and his thoughts are above my own. I don't know what the future holds for us, dear child, but I know that I will do my best to raise you and make God proud of us both. You have changed my life forever. You are my life story, and I will cherish that calling always. Never, ever forget. as we talked earlier, the intent of our study is to take us into the heart and the minds of those who 
participated in the first Christmas. And I think you got to see a little glimpse of that through the things that we just witnessed. And we want to go a little further with it as well. If you have your study guide out, you'll see the verses listed at the top of the page. This is Mary's introduction to the story. Now, I did not say it's the beginning of the story. I don't want you to think it's the beginning of the story because actually the story was put into place many years before that. In fact, before the world was formed, the Bible tells us that God had already orchestrated a plan by which he would send his son to be the sacrifice for mankind. We know that throughout the Old Testament days, the prophets of old, hundreds and thousands of years prior to the birth of Jesus, had prophesied that one day the Messiah would come and that he would be born to a virgin. It's an, an amazing concept, an amazing thought. Who would have ever believed it? In this passage, we see the introduction then of Mary into the story. Allow me to read these verses to you. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has, conceived, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am thy servant, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There are three thoughts that I want to show you. And we're going to move through this fairly quickly. But three thoughts I want to show you that will introduce us into the world of Mary as she's walking through this. And number one is this. Your first fill-in. We find that in the story involving Mary and her involvement into this first Christmas time, there was tremendous sacrifice. Tremendous sacrifice. Tremendous sacrifice on the part of Mary. Now think about it with me for just a minute. Because Mary was a young girl. Most people believe her to be in her mid-teens, maybe 16 years old. And as a young girl, Mary was told by the angel that you will have a child. You're not married, you are betrothed, you have a fiancé, but you're not married, and you're going to have a child. You're going to be noticeably pregnant, the community is going to know what's going on in your life, and you're going to bear a child. Can you imagine, maybe not at that very moment, but throughout the time in which Mary was carrying the Lord Jesus, 
the thoughts that would have run through her mind because she knew what the community would think of her. Yes, she was going to give birth to the Messiah, the one which the community had been waiting for, the one who would be the Savior of the world. She was carrying the very Son of God, and yet the community, even though they were looking for Him, would not accept Him. But in fact, they would look down on Mary. They would condemn her. They would despise her. They would literally hate her. Because in their mind, she was nothing more than a prostitute. She had prostituted herself. Now she's got herself in this situation. Why should we have anything to do with her? They would have shunned her and turned their backs on her. But you've got to understand, while she would sacrifice her reputation in order to carry the Lord Jesus, it could have gone much further than that. And I believe in the back of her mind, this was also a sacrifice to some degree of the peace of mind that she had because she knew what the community was like. The traditions in which they carried, the way that they treated people, the way they looked down on people who did not carry out every bit of the law to the extent that they thought they should. They understood that the law said that someone who's taken in this type of an act and it's proven that it's true should be taken outside the city and should be stoned to death. They understood that. Mary knew that it was a very real possibility that the community could despise and hate her to such a degree that they would literally stone her to death. Now certainly we know that was not God's plan. God's plan was for her to carry the baby, and which makes it so important when Joseph, as we'll see next week, we won't talk about it much now, but Joseph said, I do not want to make her a public example. He knew she was pregnant, he knew what ought to take place, that an example ought to be made of her, that she ought to be stoned to death so everyone would see it and the other girls would understand, you don't need to engage in this type of behavior. Mary, however, had the right man, <laughs> Joseph. And God had spoken to Joseph in a dream, and Joseph said, I don't want to make her a public example. I'll just put her away privately. Mary had sacrificed her, her reputation. She had sacrificed her peace of mind to some degree. And it may have even been, and even though we don't read this in the passage, it may have even been that she sacrificed her relationship with her family. It's very likely that her family, because they had been disgraced in the community over the perceived actions, what the community thought, because they had been disgraced that they would have disowned her. It was very likely to take place in this day and time. That they literally would, would have a funeral for her and write her off as dead. It was likely that her family could have done that. We don't know for sure. And in fact, we don't know how harshly she was treated. The Word of God doesn't tell us, but tradition shows us. And we know from, from what we know about society in Jerusalem and in the Jewish community that these things were very real and very possible. Mary, this young girl, understood what it was to sacrifice for Jesus. She was willing to sacrifice for the first Christmas for the Savior of the world. 
But interestingly, the story doesn't end with sacrifice because we then find in verse 38 of our text that something amazing takes place and that is that not only was there tremendous sacrifice on the part of Mary, but there was also tremendous obedience on the part of Mary. Because maybe these thoughts were running through her mind in full, maybe to some degree, maybe not at all. At some point it would have been. But notice what she says in verse 38. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Maybe the fears were in her mind. Maybe the thoughts of, of what the community may or may not do was running through her head. Maybe the thought, they may just put me to death for this was in her mind. And yet Mary's response was, you know what, Lord, I'm your servant. Therefore, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. As I thought about Mary, my, my thoughts ran to this place of what an incredible example she is. I mean, what an incredible example Mary is for us. An incredible example in her obedience. An incredible example in her sacrifice. Whatever God wants, that's what I will do. Whatever God desires for my life, regardless of the sacrifice that might be involved, that's what I'm willing to pursue. That's an example for which we could follow. Because I know in our hearts, sometimes... We see sacrifice as something to be feared, and certainly there is fear involved in these things to some degree. But we see it, and instead of following and pursuing God in obedience, sometimes we tend to take the path of least resistance. We tend to go that way that seems a little more pleasing, a little less intimidating, a little less difficult, a little less sacrificial. And yet Mary lays down such a beautiful example, Lord, whatever you want, I'm your servant. That's what I want to happen. There's one final thought that I want to throw into the mix here, and that's because it also is something that may take you off guard a little bit. Because you see the tremendous sacrifice of Mary. You see the tremendous obedience that she offers to the Lord. But beyond that, then also we find that in the midst of this, in Mary's life there is tremendous joy. Number three, tremendous joy. Maybe for us as we think about this story, we think about the sacrifice, we think about the things that Mary would encounter, how, how the community would turn against her. Maybe as we think about this, how the people would hate her and berate her and belittle her in front of everyone else without trying to spare her feelings whatsoever. Maybe we would think in our minds, okay, there may be some joy because this is certainly a joyous occasion, but there would also be those feelings of anxiety, those feelings of worry, maybe a little anger inside, God, why would you put me through this? Why would you allow this to happen to me? I mean, here I am doing your will, I'm carrying your son, and yet you're going to allow these people to hate me and belittle me and condemn me. They don't get it. Why would you allow them to do that to me? And yet as we read further into the introduction of Mary into the story of Jesus' birth, Later on, the verses you see listed, verses 46 through 49 of Luke chapter 1, say this. And Mary said, 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all the generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary was truly an amazing person. Now Mary was not one to be worshipped. Mary was not one to whom we would pray. But Mary was nonetheless an amazing person. Because despite the fear that may have entered into her thoughts, despite the understanding of what could possibly take place in her life, despite the knowledge that her family could possibly turn on her and kick her out of the house and never talk to her again, And I think we see a little bit of that in the fact that Mary went with Joseph to pay the taxes. Here she was, what, eight and a half, nine months pregnant. And instead of staying home in the comfort of her home, she instead chose to go with her fiancé to Bethlehem. She knew there really wasn't a place for her there. In my mind, this is my thoughts, not the Word of God, but just the way I read the story. And so she chose to go on with him despite the conditions. She had no business traveling that distance in the way that she was. And yet instead of the anxiety and the fear and the thoughts of anger and maybe bitterness that should have arose or we thought we think should have arose or could have come out of this situation mary instead expresses tremendous joy at what god was doing for her tremendous joy and i think about that tremendous joy tremendous joy meant that that yes i know the possibilities are real The possibilities that I will be shunned, I will be hated, I will be despised. The possibilities that I will be rejected by my own family. The possibility that I might even be stoned to death. I know the possibilities are there and they're real. But yet, God has spoken that this is His plan. And I trust God to such a degree that whatever He wants, I'm willing to do. If that means sacrifice comes, then sacrifice comes. If that means denial comes, then they can deny me. If that means that they can belittle me and berate me in front of everyone, then that's what will have to take place. Because my response to God's plan is obedience, and in that obedience is great joy. Because I trust God to know that what He's doing, despite the sacrifice is still what is absolutely best for me. I think so often we come against hard times and times of sorrow and times of difficulty and problems in our lives. and Instead of embracing them and saying, you know what, I don't like it necessarily, but I'm embracing this with joy because I know that God is up to something in my life and it's absolutely what's best for me. Instead, we bail on it. God, if that's what it's going to involve. God, if it's going to involve me being belittled by other people, if it's going to involve them turning their backs on me, denying me as part of their family, If it's going to involve that kind of sacrifice, then God, maybe there's a different way to accomplish your will. But not Mary. 
What an amazing, amazing person. Lord, whatever you want, I embrace it with joy. I accept your will and your plan. Oh, that we would develop that same attitude. That we would develop that same outlook on life. That we would embrace the difficulties and the problems. Not that we just fall in love with problems. I don't think we'll ever get to that point. But that we embrace them and say, you know what? I don't understand it. I don't really like it. But I know God's up to something wonderful in my life. And I will receive it with joy. Maybe you're facing something quite difficult in your life right now. Maybe you're facing a problem that is overwhelming. Maybe this particular study is just for you. Today, maybe God is calling us to a change of attitude. To a change of outlook. To where we embrace what's happening. And pursue His plan with obedience and joy. He is trustworthy. And honestly, He deserves that from us.